0: Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. And with today's episode, we're teaming with PRC. This podcast is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care joined today by Dr. Joshua Schwartzbaum. He is an emergency and addiction medicine physician with St. Barnabas Hospital in New York City. Dr. Schwartzbaum, please just let's kick this conversation off by you telling me a little bit about your professional background and how we got to where we're at today.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. So I did, you know, my originally I did my residency in emergency medicine. I've always been interested in um, psychiatry and psychology as well. And, um, so I did my residency initially there. And then I was debating always between going into the psychiatric field as well. But for whatever reason, I ended up in the, in the ER. The places where I've worked in the Bronx have had a lot of kind a lot of psychiatric population as well, low income, low socioeconomic, a lot of comorbidities of, of of medical disease and psychiatric diseases. And it's really fascinating to kind of see how the interplay of you know mental health and physical health kind of all plays out. After that, after I finished my residency, I did a fellowship actually in emergency medical services, EMS, and disaster medicine. And then I uh, subsequently also got board certified in addiction medicine, which was always an interest of mine. So I'm working as well with um, patients for all all different types of, of addiction. And kind of ever since I started residency, you know, I've been hearing about burnout and that sort of stuff. So I've been looking into that kind of field and, and mental health, you know, not only amongst patients, but amongst clinicians, um, whether it really be anyone. And the ER is an interesting place I found because you get people from all different backgrounds, both patients and staff members. You have people from all different cultures that are coming together. And if we can focus on the staff for a second here, but we have people coming from all different cultures, all different backgrounds that may or may not know each other very well that now need to all of a sudden work together as a team very quickly Uh, really to save people's lives. So how do we create a cohesive group? How do we create um, a a highly efficient team essentially that that can work together on a moment's notice in life-saving situations where you need to act quickly and there's not too much room for, for mistakes? It was always something that was interesting to me because how do you develop that? How do you develop the trust amongst people? How do you develop, how do you get each person to come in feeling well uh, in themselves to be able to give their best. Because ultimately, if I'm not able to, if I'm not feeling well, or, you know, internally, how can I really provide my best care to someone else who needs it at the time? So I've been looking into this sort of field for for quite some time, in various different aspects of it. Um, it's definitely enjoyable. You know, I remember when I started as a resident, I would, I, I came home a lot and I was not feeling great. I was not feeling great. I felt like the patients were, it was very difficult. I would try to give them my all. I would give advice um, to the patients. And I would find some people coming back the same, you know, day after day after day for the same exact problem, uh, not really listening to what we said. And I'm like, what, I was thinking, what's the purpose of this? Why am I, you know, why am I doing this basically? Why am I showing up to work, you know, waking up very early in the morning, coming home very late at night, going through this and feeling that I have, little to no impact, you know, I, I went to medical school with the hopes of really having an impact on, on the world or having impact, you know, amongst my patients. And I didn't really feel that was happening so much in residency. And then, you know, one day it actually kind of hit me and um, I was walking into one of the patient rooms and I realized that I'm not going to be able to change the people around me. Um, there's nothing I can do about the way people, what, what people were born into, what their education was, how they were brought up, the life experiences they had. I realized that the only way for me to leave happy is by looking internally at the end of the day. I can't look externally for it. Um, the hospital may not change. You know, the typical frustrations that we hear about, you know, dealing with various things in the hospital, the EMR, administration, uh, processes, systems, all that sort of stuff, That it's slow, slow to change. I mean, sure, it can help, you know, but at the end of the day, I'm responsible for, for my happiness. And on the same token, I'm responsible for my sadness and for really any of my emotions is my responsibility for it. And when I realized this, I, I I really had a dramatic kind of shift in the way I saw myself and the way that I saw other people in the sense that, it was very empowering because now I can choose how I want to leave the hospital, how I want to take any given day. I could look for the things that make me feel energized and make me feel happy because they're there. Everything is there in front of us. It's just the things that we decide to focus on. So when I started to notice this and really look into well-being a lot more, it's really kind of changed the the paradigm, the way that I've I've seen myself, that I've seen in patients, uh, seen colleagues, and and we've been able to really create cohesive teams and 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 bring people together by making them by making each individual feel their best possible or helping each individual and and helping each individual realize how how blessed they are as a person basically and what they have inside and how much power they have inside of them then all of a sudden we can really bring people uh bring people together in the best way possible because then everyone is feeling great and then we can deliver the best care and still leave work you know feeling feeling good
0: yeah no that's that's great background and it's going to lead up to how the Code Breathe initiative got started, because that I want to be the focus of today's interview for our listeners, so they can learn all about it. So, first and foremost, just tell us about what the Code Breathe initiative is.
1: Yeah, so Code Breathe—it's initially initiative we started in our ER in St. Barnabas Hospital. Uh, it's basically what it is. It's we take five minutes a day to we call it overhead just like when we have a medical notification or a trauma notification it gets called overhead and everyone stops what they're doing to go you know take care of a a critically ill patient so we got introduced to uh, an organization called Veterans Path Um, they were working with military police departments on um, essentially mindfulness mindful type of breathing Um, these kind of deep belly breaths that they found helps and there's good literature to support this sort of stuff as well that helps people recenter Reconnect to themselves, uh, activate the parasympathetic nervous system to help calm people down. Essentially, to help calm yourself down by taking just a series of, of a couple of big deep breaths. So we got in contact w- uh, with this organization. We did a little bit of a training, and then we're trying to figure out how to kind of implement it in the ER. So after you know speaking with some some other staff members and you know thinking about this for a while, we came up with Code Breathe. So what it is is that basically every day. Um, and we do it basically every shift, uh, ideally, we will announce overhead in the same way that we'll announce like a medical notification, we'll announce code breathe, and no matter what's going on, and we actually specifically chose it to be at one of the busiest times in the ER, um, that it gives people the permission, the time to go take five minutes where we get together, sit down, and someone will have various people, either a doctor, a nurse, a technician, registration, uh, personnel, security, housekeeping. Um, we've have really every line of work from the ER has been attending and and we get a different person to lead it every day. We're all kind of just come together for five minutes, five, seven minutes, and um, sit down, relax, take a couple of deep breaths and get to feel you know energized, re-energized, refocused, um, no matter what is going on around us because that really helps us, you know reconnect with within. And to bring our best out uh, to all of our patients and all the rest of the team.
0: That's great. Um, I love hearing that. I I think our listeners really will appreciate knowing about that too, and perhaps something they can implement where they work. Why did you feel there was such a need for this Code Breathe initiative in the first place?
1: Yeah. So I was actually the organ. We got approached by the uh, by Greater Hospital New York and to set us up with uh, this organization. Uh, So they kind of came to us, but we've always been in our ER. We've always been talking about different well-being initiatives, and this kind of fit in fit in very well. We weren't sure initially how to kind of structure it and everything. And once we heard about it, we're like, sure, let's give it a try and see. Uh, Knowing that there may be some challenges to implement it and everything, and and through a couple of different iterations we we tried to figure out the best way to to kind of do it um, but inherently, you know we need the space we need the time like the e r is a crazy, crazy place to work in, especially our e r there's you know a lot of traumas we see a lot of very sick medical patients um and just you know th- with the population we work with can be frankly difficult sometimes and and it can get overwhelming for the staff and how what what can the staff do when they're feeling overwhelmed and when when there's still a lot of patients in the waiting room waiting to be seen? Or there's a lot of other sick people that are waiting to be seen. How do you keep on giving? If you keep on giving and you're, and, and you're starting to run on empty, there's nothing else to give. If someone comes to ask you for a dollar on the street and you don't have a dollar in your wallet, you just can't give it to them. So how do we keep people full? How do we keep people, you know, how do people know when they need to reset? And I think I've worked in a lot of different emergency rooms at this point, and it's almost a badge of honor, like, oh, I haven't gotten to the bathroom, or I didn't eat lunch today, or, you know, I've been working for 12 hours straight, and then I get to stay for an extra two hours to do my charting. Well, it's all nice and fine, but if you're not leaving well, you're not leaving feeling good at the end of the day, then that's a problem. So we need to build in processes in place within our emergency departments, within our healthcare systems, to give people the space to to. Take the time that they need for themselves. And if we're not doing that, we're going to run our clinicians into the ground. And if we run our clinicians into the ground, who's going to suffer? It's the patients that are going to suffer. And there's no other industry really that, you know, people are like, oh, let's work, you know, for the 12 hours straight, not take a break, not go to the bathroom. It doesn't make sense. So let's give people a time specifically to, to be able to do that. We have to think, you know, complex thinking. We have to make critical decisions. I mean, you want your doctor making critical decisions when <laughs> they haven't taken a break, you know, like they're not able to think clearly. We need people to think clearly and the care that we can give and the the processes that are in place will all be better when people are feeling better about themselves. So it was kind of a no brainer. Like We got to figure out how to do this and how to implement this into, into our day.
0: Wow. So well said, makes complete sense. Great logic behind it. I'm curious how how the feedback's been from participants in the Code Breathe initiative. What kind of feedback have you gotten from those who are participating in it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been great. We have people coming every day. So we'll have 10, 15, 20 people sometimes coming. I mean, it all depends on how busy it is in the ER as well. Uh, We did some surveys initially um, and to kind of ask people. And some of the feedback we got was like, it helped me relax and calm down. It's learning to take a quick uh, time out during work, even when it's busy. Uh, I felt more relaxed, I feel less anxious, Um, it feels very relieving, it gives me time to chill out, and time to check in with myself. So those are kind of some of the comments that we got, the surveys that we did were more qualitative. Well, they're actually, we asked two questions. One of them was, would you recommend this to a friend, and kind of like a net promoter score type of thing. And Everyone we surveyed said yes, and then um, we asked, you know, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you enjoy about code? or something along those lines, or, what, you know, what do you find, how do you find it to be helpful? And, the, and those were kind of the qualitative comments that we got that I just mentioned. And people are coming back every day. So, you know, I know that people like it because otherwise they wouldn't be showing up. And it's growing, and people from other departments have come, and people from other lines of work in the ER have come. And also on the days that, for whatever reason, it gets very busy, we chose to have it at 1.30 in the afternoon because that's a particularly busy time. You know, the question was, oh, should we do it? When should we do it? Should we do it at a time it's not busy? And we decided, no, we're going to do it at one of the busiest times in the day because we're going to show that this is extremely important to do. And because it's so important, we want it to be specifically at a busy time. So sometimes it actually gets a little bit delayed if it's too busy or if there's critical patients. You know, we obviously we got to go save someone's life we can't say, all right, let's uh, you know, take a couple of minutes to breathe and, uh, you know, and put someone's life at risk. But on the days that it's not happening right on time, we'll get people coming up and asking, Is it, you know, what's going on? Is code breathe happening today? So yeah. it's been, uh, it's been a nice journey so far.
0: That's pretty cool. Um, we you know, talked about some of the feedback. Was there any other indications or signs of its success that you wanted to share with us? No, I mean, I think that was
1: basically, you know, we're getting more people that are interested in leading it all the time and, uh, we're expanding it initially when we started it, we, we did it, you know, Monday through Friday, five days a week, just to kind of pilot it and make sure it would fit in. you know, we're expanding it to the nights and weekends now as well. So, um, I think overall it's been, it's been successful.
0: Yeah. And for listeners that aren't familiar, the, the net promoter score, that's simply, um, in survey taking, just asking if you would recommend this to a friend, it's kind of like a one question survey, right?
1: Yeah. It's like a one question type of survey Well, you ask, you know, yeah, would you recommend this You know, type? And yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yes or no. Simple, simple kind of question.
0: Awesome. So what advice do you have to other institutions that might be interested in implementing uh, a code breathe initiative at where they are?
1: Yeah, I would say go for it, (laughs) first of all, do it. People enjoy it. It brings all the staff together. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're a doctor and nurse at Tech, registration, security, radiology. Uh, We've literally had people from all lines of work in the ER and other people from other departments. We've had other residents and and attendings from critical care, pediatrics, um, general surgery. There're probably others as well. I'm not there every day, so I don't know. You know, every person that comes every day. Yeah. But go for it is really uh, my first piece of advice. But after that, there will be some. You know, there, there's always going to be something that there's always going to be a reason why not why not to do this. Basically, mm-hmm. There's going to be oh, we're too busy. There's not enough people. We don't have people to lead. We, it, you can come up with with a ton of reasons why not to do something. Um, and getting over that barrier initially, which is the which is a tough piece. Look for the things that are the reasons why you can do it. Figure out the ways that you can do it. And once you figure that out, get a core group of people together that are interested in this. And if you have a core group of people, and ideally someone from a leadership from a leadership team within the ER or within your department that can help kind of structure this, uh, it, it, will, it will be successful. But you need a core group of people essentially to lead. And it's really not difficult to do. Um, it's something that I'd be happy to kind of help with or discuss as well if, if you would need
0: Absolutely. And I'll include your email in the description of this podcast episode. Um, Dr. Schwarzbaum, when we first kind of got together, you were telling me some reasons behind why you're so passionate for this work. You mentioned, you know, why you got into healthcare in the first place and, and, you know, you, you don't feel satisfied when you leave work and you feel like you haven't made an impact that's, I think that's a message that'll really come across to our listeners. And, you know, is there anything else valuable you want to discuss with us before we work towards wrapping up here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think inherently working in healthcare, it gives us a, it gives us the ability to connect to people um, in a way that you don't really get in a lot of other, other industries. By virtue of showing up to work every day, no matter what it is that you do, in healthcare. You are literally transforming people's lives. And it's not only the lives of the people that you're taking care of. There are families behind it. There are, there are, there are workplaces behind it. And the impact that we're having, it, it's really exponential. And we don't even necessarily recognize it. So to me, showing up and, and taking care of people and and us feeling very drained at the end of the day, it's unfortunate. And it doesn't need to be that way. And I realized that over time, there's always going to be you know things out there that we may think frustrate us. But at the end of the day, if we really are looking for the things that make us energized, if we look for the things that within healthcare, about how we can how we can really use our blessings to be able to help someone else, it doesn't even need to be something major. Some of the best days, I'm like, if I (laughs) help walk someone out from the ER to their car and I get an extra one minute to talk to them, like these are the things, if I start to focus on them, that's what makes me feel better at the end of the day. And the things that we think about. Is essentially what creates our reality. If I think about all day how bad my EMR is, I'm going to leave the leave the hospital feeling that the EMR is terrible. If I, you know, and I'm and I leave feeling terrible, and I won't feel good as well. If I focus on the things that I find value in, that I find, you know, make me feel better, that make me feel happier or at peace or have more of a tranquil mind, and I start to look for those things every day, then those are the things I'm going to leave the hospital feeling. And it's just the situation around me doesn't change. It stays exactly the same. What changes is me within that situation. And you can see if, you know, if you're working in the ER on healthcare, you'll see people with the same disease or the same trauma presenting in very different ways. Psychologically, you know, we'll have people that are in the same exact car accident. So they underwent the same exact experience. We have one person coming in who's screaming in their head often is, you know, really in a ton of pain, let's say, or just screaming because they're traumatized from whatever happened. And then you have someone else who is very calm and collected, maybe even with the same injury or possibly with a worse injury. But the car accident was exactly the same. So why is it that one person is coming in with, you know, calm and collected mind and the other person is not? And it's because of how they are within any given situation. So that's true of our patients. It's true of us too. I can't change the ER. I can't change the patients around me I can't change really much, (laughs) much of anything. I mean, I could work to change some stuff, but at the end of the day, what's the easiest thing for me to change? It's myself. It's my approach to, to how I look at things, to what are the things that I look at, to, to what are the things that I, I think about and, and what are the things that I focus on every day? So all of a sudden there, now it, it, the whole, the whole paradigm shifts from the work being overwhelming to, you know, anything else to, to me saying, well, it's how I think about the work. It's how I think about my patients. And if I find the and and if I look for and find the beauty and the love and understanding and compassion that is built into every one of us, I can connect with people on a much deeper level essentially. And when I can do that, now everything shifts. Because it's not just another patient in front of me, it's another person. And the amazing thing about healthcare too, and I, we see this firsthand, and especially in the ER. We see people born. I, I mean, I may go from seeing someone born, being born and dying on the same exact day, which is kind of incredible, you know, the ends of life. We all come into the world in the same way. We all leave the world in the same way. It's everything in the middle that's kind of going to be up in the air, and that, and that shapes us. But if you look at even embryonic development, you go from one cell to all of a sudden a whole differentiated person with arms and legs and a nose and ears and mouth and internal organs, you know, liver, heart. Uh, kidney, spleen, everything, you can go on and on. And on. How does this all happen? You know, how does this whole thing happen? There's something powering this whole universe behind us, you know, some spiritual energy, some spiritual force, whether you want to call it the spirit, the god, God, the universe, the universal intelligence, whatever it may be. Each of us has that within us by virtue of being born and by virtue of being human. We are that's that's it's all part of us. So if it's all part of us, and I can connect with someone, and we all have the ability to connect with someone on that level all of a sudden changes the way that we feel about other people and the way we feel about ourselves. And it's really, it's incredible. And, and for me, it's just transformed the whole way that, that I show up to work every day and the way that I leave work every day. And it's given me an amazing toolkit to be able to approach my patients and their family members, um, because I just see them differently. And when I see them in, in that light, all the other stuff kind of falls up, falls off. And then that connection is just there. And it's nice. and That feels good.
0: Wow. Great conversation today. Talking with Dr. Joshua Schwartzbaum. He is an emergency and addiction medicine physician with St. Barnabas Hospital in New York City, the Bronx to be exact. Dr. Schwartzbaum, this has been very inspiring. And I really, really enjoyed having you break all these things down for us with so much logic and great insight. I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. This was, uh, this was nice. I had a good time. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. With today's episode, teaming with PRC. To learn more, visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.